Welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast. This is your anchoring host, Rio. And we have, for the first time since our epic knockdown breakout battle of the century, <laughs> Corey is back on as our uh, guest co-host today. Say hi, Corey. Hi, Corey. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about the Biden-Sanders compromise. And I think there's actually an official name for it. Is that right, Corey? What's it called? Uh, the Biden-Sanders compromise. <laughs> It's unity, unity task force. They basically put, you know, on on each sort of silo of the the Democratic uh, uh, agenda, they put uh, someone from the Biden team and uh, someone in sort of progressive Bernie land. Um, although I don't think those should necessarily be connected perfectly uh, together to hash out a, a compromise. And on each one of them, they did. And it's just it's pure genius um, and should have progressives voting for Biden at one hundred and fifteen percent. What a reasonable and pro-democratic thing to do. It, honestly, not only reasonable, but excessive from Biden's point of view, right? I think we talked about this before. Uh, before It's weird. Before we broke up. Um, hmm. Anyway, um, he didn't have to do this. He really didn't, right? Like they, they had already done polling at the time uh, that suggested that uh, only 4% of Bernie Sanders supporters were stupid enough to vote for Trump, as opposed to 12% last time. Uh, so we're already, you know, way uh, uh, in advance of where we needed to be as far as translating, you know, like knitting the party back together or what have you. And uh, Biden still was like, well, let's chat because he knows the same way that Pelosi knows, frankly, that if you give the progressive wing the opportunity to force him to to uh, uh, to to move you know, into more progressive territory, then then he can do it and sort of drag the boomers along with him, which is exactly what he did. And again, he did not have to do this electorally. He did it because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And because the alternative is Donald Trump, but we can't afford to alienate anybody. Right. Yeah. Why? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Building building teams and coalitions instead of, you know, uh, devolving into Nazism and fascism. You know, it's, it's the little things. <laughs> to be clear, at moving forward, we are pro that. Yeah, exactly. Pro pro teams. All right. <clears throat> well, let's let's dive into it then. I understand you have uh you said the actual compromise was like a hundred pages long, so we're obviously not gonna read that. But with Corey's amazing radio voice, he's gonna take us through six oh, highlights according to the New York Times. Is that right, Corey? That is entirely correct. Um so I'll uh, I'll give you guys the headlines um and uh and then we'll 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 dig in and uh, and go moving forward old school. And, uh, uh, you know, dive into each one as we go through the details. So uh, the I'm getting points, a little nostalgic, not going to lie. Right. Me too, a little bit. Don't tell anyone. <clears throat> so on healthcare, uh, expanding government run plans without Medicare for all. Uh, and of course, that includes the public option. We'll get into that. Uh, criminal justice, broad agreement on many priorities, but not on marijuana. Um, again, what Biden's plan is on pot is still extremely good and would be fantastic. So, again, is it perfect? No but whatever. Uh, climate change, new near-term targets, but no fracking ban, um, which is annoying. But again, no fracking ban. If you saw the last debates, uh, Pence is just a gigantic full of shit, piece of shit with a fly in his head. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's never going to get old. The economy, closing racial gaps and creating jobs programs, education, rethinking Obama era priorities, uh, immigration, uh, a focus on undoing Trump policies. Like maybe uh, let's not put kids in fucking cages. Just... Just a, just a little jumping off point there. Uh, so we'll start with healthcare. Um, and again, I know you guys you guys can go back to, uh, to I think we've done a few episodes on healthcare. It's, you know, if you want more details than what we're going to talk about now. Um, so the task force recommendations stop far short of Mr. Sanders' signature healthcare uh, policy initiative, a single payer Medicare for all system that would enroll all Americans in a generous government run health plan. Instead, the task force supports a government-run insurance option that would be uh, offered to all Americans on a sliding scale according to income uh, and automatically provided to low-income uh, Americans for free. A so-called public option has always been part of Mr. Biden's health care plan, but the recommendations specify new details, such as a requirement that certain prescription medications be offered without any out-of-pocket spending by patients. Similar to Mr. Biden's most recent health proposal, this one would allow Americans to become eligible for Medicare coverage at 60 instead of the current threshold of 65. The document also suggests considering how Medicare could expand its benefits to cover treatment for dental care, vision, and hearing loss. Um, just as a quick jumping off point, Trump doesn't have a fucking plan at all. Like anyone that tells you that is full of shit. He's had uh, a plan that's going to be the cheapest insurance you've ever seen in your entire life. 
and they were going to release that plan in two weeks. He has said that 14 times over the course of two years. So, he also said that the military will distribute Regeneron to the military for some reason. Yeah. Will, will distribute Regeneron, the new experimental drug that it cost the taxpayers $1.5 million to give to his fat oh, ass um, to hospitals everywhere for Americans for free. Of and course. how many people believe that? Oh, by the way, it's made with fetal tissue from yeah, abortions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it isn't, for the record, it isn't made with fetal tissue. It is made from a stem cell line that came from an abortion in the 70s, just to, so we're on the same page. It still, you know, uh, goes in, the, it flies in the face of literally everything that uh, with certainly Mike Pence uh, believes, because of course we know that Trump doesn't believe anything. Well, um, you know more about this than I do, Corey, but I don't think there's a way to do stem cell research without abortions, is there? There, well, there, there is now, um, but all of the stem cell lines that we have, because they've been able to simulate them and keep them going for a long time, right? Um, all the ones that uh, that we have came from abortions before the ban in uh, uh, in the '70s and early '80s, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, though, but it, it absolutely did come from that. It's just been a long time. So they're basically just cloning the original lines. That's correct. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. still, all right. <laughs> still, still, you know, uh, uh, ethically and morally accurate. Uh, as far as uh, Justice Barrett would probably still ban it anyway, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When she was not saying that uh, uh, rape was religiously cool or some stupid fucking thing. For the record, that was made up. I don't know anything about that. It's just she seems like she's straight out of The Handmaid's Tale to me. <clears throat> I also saw it was pretty amusing. Trump claimed that he had already fixed health care. He said health care oh, yeah. is no, cheaper he than he it's ever been and better than it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and. You know, we've seen it a million times now, right? He's just going to say things and there's going to be about 30, 35 percent of people that are just going to believe him because that's where we live now. Uh, and uh, he's going to lose uh, in a landslide in three weeks. Yeah, I was talking to Talia, my wife, about it. I know you're a fan of Talia, Corey. I, I am. <laughs> She's fantastic and clearly a fucking saint for who she married. <laughs> uh, yep. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, she she was pointing out to me that I guess uh, the FBI has noticed that when you know, when you get those phishing emails that are trying to get your information so that they can rob you, steal your uh, credit card information, etc. The FBI has noticed that they actually um, con artists actually intentionally make those emails as obviously fake as possible with the most ludicrous stories you can imagine that are totally unbelievable. And according to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the reason why they do this is because they don't want to waste time with people who are too smart or informed. So it's actually a way of weeding out smart people. Uh, and, And if you think about it, this was Talia's observation, that's basically Trump's entire political strategy. Okay, I am going to take a couple of seconds. And pull up this uh, this buddy of mine on Facebook. Okay, I just found it. Uh, to let y'all know, I get all sorts of emails from the Trump campaign because I signed up for a rally that I would never have attended. I actually get these two. They're terrible. Uh, this is the sort of crazy, stupid, infomercial crap they try and lure people with. So this is real. Justin, why haven't you accepted President Trump's invitation to activate your 2020 Trump Diamond Card? Out of all of his supporters, the president select you, capitalized because, of course, to be a part of this exclusive group. So he was really surprised when you told him you still hadn't stepped up. Diamond members are the most dedicated Trump supporters. President Trump will be relying on this exclusive group when he needs help heading into election, which is not a great sentence. We don't usually do this, but the president has authorized us to extend your invitation until 1159 tonight. When you join before then, we'll send you a personalized capitalized, of course, because these people are stupid, diamond card. Like it's literally like the most pathetic middle of the night infomercial garbage you could possibly imagine and it's targeted at exactly the same people (laughs) yep well i guess we should talk about biden's uh plan then so basically my takeaway is it's very similar to andrew yang's plan right yang called to his medicare for all because it was a a medicare-like public program available to everybody he just didn't outlaw private insurance am i am i following that right Corey? Yeah, it, I, and I think that Yang actually, and there's actually a little bit more that I didn't see because I didn't scroll down. I'll, I'll get to it in a second here, but yeah, the the automatic enrolling for for uh, people that are under the poverty line, I think, is is sort of the biggest thing, right? Like people that people that you know make the the perfect the enemy of the good, 
in this regard are sitting on a mountain of privilege and moral rot, frankly. The number of people that this would help is unspeakably large, tens of millions, uh, just to finish the, if, if, if not more, like many tens of millions. So uh, just to, to finish it off, the task force also recommends special insurance options for people during the coronavirus pandemic. For those who lost coverage because they became unemployed, the task force suggests that the federal government pay the full cost of continuing that coverage until the federal law known as uh, uh, COBRA can take over. People without previous coverage would be allowed to buy a new plan with no deductible at a price determined by their income or an existing Obamacare plan. So basically, like it, with the infrastructure that's in place, which again, because like you know, this this kind of infrastructure has a lot of momentum, right? There's a lot of people hired by it, a lot of money that you know went into to building out the uh, uh, you know the the bureaucracies or whatever, the, just the way that things work. It's really really hard to just get rid of it. So using that and directing it and 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 dramatically expanding it is the easiest, smartest way. Not to mention legislatively, it would pass. Uh, that you could possibly do, and yeah, it's 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 very much like Yanks. It's like it it just reeks of a technocratic solution to relieve the suffering of tens of millions of, Amer- of Americans. Right, and so under this system, if you are self-employed or if you get laid off and therefore you lose your insurance through your employer, you could just voluntarily get on the government Medicare-like program. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. And How, it, like, that is that is huge. That is ma- so it's huge. massive. It's massive. It's better, significantly better than what I was advocating for and fighting for in 2008 when we were trying to get the public option through. It's way better. And and to give Bernie credit, part of the reason why this is even on the table is because Medicare for all is such a huge, uh, you know, uh, um, it has its own massive momentum and people in the middle and insurance companies, frankly, are terrified of it enough that the public option is now possible. Right. So again, like the Overton window gets yanked over to uh, uh, to the left. And finally, we can do the sort of middle of the road, common sense, uh, 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 you know, kind of technocratic, uh, uh, you know, solution that, that will will actually pass. And again, still, if I had a magic wand, I would make it single payer and I would do it instantaneously because it's more efficient and better for literally everyone uh, except maybe Rio. And he's doing this without raising taxes on people who earn less than $400,000 a year. That's it. So my fellow right-wingers out there, there's nothing to be afraid of here unless you're very, very rich. And then actually, I looked into it. And so let's say you're a family in, um, you know, Manhattan, which has a really high cost of living and you make $450,000 a year. All it means is you're going to pay a slightly higher rate on the last 50,000. So really, even very well-off people are still not going to see much of a tax increase. And that's that's more or less what uh, Elizabeth Warren and everybody else was talking about too. Like that the and it to me the most frustrating part is that Republicans are 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 either very very rich or stupid. And they always have been, right? Cuz like every single time that Democrats come out, they they come out with a tax plan that is more or less like that. And then Mike Pence will just come out and say, oh, he's going to raise your taxes. And the dummies believe him, right? Like you're either really, really well off or just really shitty. At well, I mean, eight you know, years of socialist Obama in air quotes and my taxes didn't <laughs> go up. My federal taxes stayed the same. Those Worst whole eight years, two years of Trump and they went up. So there you go. There you go. All right. T- take us to the, the second one, Corey. Uh, criminal justice, broad agreement on many priorities, uh, but not on the pot. Mr. Biden's views on criminal justice had already shifted drastically since he helped pass the 1994 crime bill, uh, and the task force's recommendations reinforced that transformation. Uh, they call for eliminating private prisons, yay, ending cash bail, which is actually really, really huge as far as inequality in this country, and eliminating mandatory minimum sentences, steps that both candidates support in the primary, eliminating private prisons in particular was something Mr. Sanders championed early. Um, that's actually how it is in Canada, too. Like the idea that you would have a for profit prison is just completely insane for Canadians. And just because it's stupid, period. The task force also suggested a federal standard for police departments use of force, a national database of police officers who commit misconduct and an end to sentences of life without parole for juvenile offenders. It did not, however, uh, bridge a notable gap between the Biden and Sanders platforms. The task force called for decriminalizing marijuana and legalizing it at the federal level for medical use but for letting the states decide whether to legalize it for recreational use. So let me just go over that again. The task force called for decriminalizing marijuana nationally and legalizing it at the federal level of medical use nationally, right? But for letting the states decide whether they want to uh, uh, make it recreationally available or not. That's the position Mr. Biden held in the primary in contrast to Mr. Sanders, who supports full legalization. So again, because we are a big tent party and there are still Democrats, and I apologize for them, but they exist, 
you know, who are older and are still like, you know, oh my God, drugs bad and all drugs are exactly the same. We know they're stupid, but that's fine, right? They don't know the details. Biden is still saying, okay, we're actually going to make it so that, you know, this can be used medically all across the country. Uh, and states can decide whether they want to do it recreationally or not. So he gets the, all the states rights people. He gets all the, uh, uh, you know, the compassionate care, you know, uh, 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 using it for, for uh, you know, healthcare purposes or whatever, medically. And like it just <laughs> people stop going to jail for pot, period. Oh, but also, as soon as soon as it's legal for medical purposes, it's very easy. You just <laughs> shops open up where you could go in and say, like, I have back pain. And then right. now you can use it recreationally. Of course. Exactly. Exactly. And it just yeah, it, it, it just takes this whole drug war thing more or less off the table, which is what everybody wanted. And again, like the people that are still talking about, you know, voting third, uh, third, third party. A, you're idiots and I hate you. And B, you know, they're not reading through this stuff. They're just they're clearly not paying attention. Um, not, yeah, that I saw that. not that they're lazy, but they're uh, lazy. I had trouble sleeping last night and then I got on Twitter, which was a huge mistake because of course it meant I didn't sleep at all. So I've got a bunch of coffee here, but yeah, one, um, I always have a bunch of coffee, but yeah, I, 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 not one. I saw lots of people on there saying if, if Biden wants progressive votes, he needs to adopt progressive policies. I don't know what to say to that. So you now, wait, thanks like to you, Corey, next time somebody says that, I'll just post a link to this conversation and be done with it. Yeah. I mean, it it, it drives me completely mad. And honestly, there aren't that many progressives, really, that are like that. And again, like I know that we, we see some of those voices on Twitter at a much higher clip. I mean, I, I work with people on the ground who are trying to get people elected. So I, that's that's part of where my disdain comes from is that if you're not backing a candidate, if you're not actually doing the work, I honestly don't give a shit what you have to say about anything. I really don't because you're not actually part of it. You can you can be a talking head. You could be this. You could be that or whatever. But your opinion doesn't matter if you're, unless you're doing the work. Uh, and the progressives that I know that are doing the work, they know all of this shit, which is why they're backing candidates that are, you know, uh, blue up and down the ticket. I'd be curious to get your take on this, Corey, but I've just started experimenting with something. I've started saying if you are not voting against fascism, you are not progressive. You can yeah. call yourself progressive, but we don't have to believe you because you are as regressive as they come. You might as well be a fascist. If you're not voting against fascism, and the only way to do that in this system right now is to vote for Joe Biden, you aren't progressive. You are regressive, period. I yeah, mean, I mean, I'm more progressive than those people. Honestly, I think that's I think that's fair, right? Because now the Republicans are starting to say even more of the quiet things loud. Like that, uh, I think it was like Tim Lee or whatever the hell his name was, just came out and said like, democracy is not the point. You know, just making the things better for the human condition. He means white people is the point, right? So they're literally saying everything out loud. Like we don't care about voting. That's why we've been trying to suppress it for a long time. And you know, democracy is in the way. So you know, like the, I think the the pro democracy standpoint as well is is. I think part of that fascist argument, which is not terrible, right? Like if you if you're not if you're not Antifa, uh, you know, then you definitely can't be progressive. And yes, I use that intentionally. Yeah, during the Cold War era, the Republicans used to say communism or democracy. I think the Democrats should be saying fascism or democracy. Hundred percent. All right. Uh, what is there something else we should say about this? I mean, I, I guess just I, we've talked about this before, but it's been a while since you were on. Um, it's good that Biden is doing the rhetorically smart thing of denouncing rioting and saying, I don't support defunding the police. And right. then his actual policy platform is as progressive on criminal justice reform as you could possibly want. It, it is like we, you know, covered his, uh, his actual platform. And basically like, you know, when, when I first started seeing the, uh, the defund the police headline, I'm like, okay, well, what are they, what do you actually mean? You can't mean like just literally get rid of the police. Like the Republicans are saying that's crazy. And you go there and that's exactly, you know, what they're not doing. They're basically saying, why don't we take a, you know, a, a, a significant percentage of the, the bloated budgets of police departments that are killing us and put it into community development. What a fucking crazy idea. Right. Um, and what I found reading the few websites that were proposing that, Everything underneath the slogan, Biden is doing almost all of it, right? So like the, the you know, trying to do community development instead of over-policing as a gestalt. There's a lot more things to do uh, to do with the specifics of, of how, you know, law and justice work. But that's pretty much it, right? And it's, it's all we could really ever ask for. And then a bunch more because that's just, you know, Biden, honestly, 
Because, I mean, you heard me. I said in the primaries, there's no freaking way that Biden could possibly win. I was dead wrong. And Biden's been doing nothing but impressing the shit out of me ever since. He just is. Yeah. And as a conservative, the way I think about it is, you know, the police have been failing us, right? They... They want to blame they want to blame BLM, but BLM does not equal rioters. So I'll say it again. BLM does not equal rioters. The police have failed to protect our neighborhoods from criminal activity. Meanwhile, they're abusing peaceful protesters. We are paying for that abuse with our tax dollars. They work for us, and it's time to tell some of these assholes that they're fired. Yep. I mean, that even just the National Registry, the whole idea that that hasn't existed. Um, the reason why they're doing that is because cops have been getting shuffled around like Catholic priests, right? They, the second they do something wrong, they just, you know, get fired from there. And then like two counties over, they'll get hired again uh, and just keep doing the same shit. And this has been going on for a long time. So creating that National Registry, uh, you know, you'd actually be able to check up on on their records, which right now, like if you're if you're a county trying to hire a police officer, you can't check on their record somewhere else. Uh, which is crazy. That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, that's a Yang technocratic hack right there. It's 100%. good detail. Yeah. Uh, did did they include cameras on cops there? Because they really should. I, I think that's in the bigger... I think that was in his uh, uh, original plan, like a national mandate for uh, for cameras. Um, and I know uh, Kamala Harris actually was talking about this in the in the debate. She was actually the first one to kind of mandate that in, uh, uh, you know, in California. So. so once again, we're looking at a very Yang-like policy platform for criminal justice reform. All right, let's take it to the third one, Corey. All right, uh, climate change, new near-term targets, uh, no fracking ban. The Climate Change Task Force led by former Secretary of State John Kerry um, and AOC. I mean, just think about this. So John Kerry, who was the liaison for the Paris climate deal and the liaison for, uh, uh, um, you know, the Iran nuclear deal, right? Like, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts where, where he talks about all that stuff. Like John Kerry is the perfect person to be uh, doing this and freaking AOC who, you know, every single, like the sunrise movement and people back in the green new deal. Like this is just an amazing combination to me that that was really, really exciting. Um, declared rising planet warming emissions, a national emergency. It also directly tied the effort to reduce fossil fuels to a need to address racial injustices that have led low-income communities to bear a disproportionate level of air and water pollution. Uh, the recommendations make no mention of the Green New Deal, <clears throat> an ambitious plan that uh, AOC and other supporters of Mr. Sanders have championed. Uh, there is also no mention of a national ban on fracking, uh, which Mr. Biden has avoided calling for despite pressure from young climate activists. Um, but there are other signs that progressives on the task force were able to push Mr. Biden to the left. I want to get back to that fracking thing in a second, but uh, just to finish this off. Specifically, critics of Mr. Biden's plan to invest $1.7 trillion in order to achieve net zero emissions before 2050 had complained that his platform included few details on how it would achieve that faraway goal. The recommendations set a number of specific near-term benchmarks that Democrats would promise to reach. They include moving all electric power off fossil fuels by 2035 um, and achieving carbon neutrality in all new buildings by 2030 and installing 500 million solar panels in the next five years, um, which again is like many, many orders of magnitude better than than what's happening now um on the uh the the fracking ban i personally would like to see that uh i think a a nearer term much smarter thing to do would be to end oil subsidies um and shift them over to uh, uh to electric because that's going to have the same net result right like the biggest thing is we want fracking to stop because it's really really brutal and really really uh terrible for the localities where this is actually going on um, but I think you can actually use again, the, like a Yang technocratic thing, instead of banning something, which is going to get people up in arms, you just price them out. Um, yeah, especially a lot of working class white voters in important swing states whose votes we need to defeat fascism. Yep. It's important to note though, that <laughs> the alternative is Donald Trump who says climate change is a Chinese hoax and pulled us out of the Paris climate accord. Yeah, I mean that's really that's that's really the thing, right? I mean, like having a president and an administration that recognizes the issue. See the thing too, like just electorally. So Trump is losing old people, like especially in Florida. Like that doesn't happen, right? Like that, it, you know, in in swing states, Biden is now up 
with people over 65, again, who make up a ridiculous percentage of the voting uh, block, that Trump won by like freaking 12 points last time, right? And so well, it turns out old people don't like when their president puts them in mortal danger. <laughs> right. They, they're not they're not huge fans of being cannon fodder. Which, I mean, you know, the, the man himself is literally a plague ridden. Well, I suppose it's not a plague because plagues bacterial, but you get my point. I mean, I think, I think he, it's he's fair. a threat. He, he is a threat to their lives. If he shook their hand, <laughs> it could kill them. And he That's, would. That, that he can't would totally help inf- inform your vote. <laughs> yeah, you you would think so. I mean, and to this day, he still has not had a negative test, and yet he's still announcing he's going to do another rally. Well, he did one this weekend in in the Rose Garden, which was a a, a super spreader event. He invited two thousand people. Four hundred people showed up, which is hilarious in and of itself. And then we found out that a bunch of them were actually paid to show up. Like he he <laughs> needs he he's actually hiring crisis actors to come in uh, to uh, uh, to. To come to his fucking rallies, yeah. If the whole thing, yeah. Should, no, if the, if his campaign isn't covering all of those costs, if anything is 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 being paid for by the taxpayers due to it taking place at the White House, that's a crime. It is. That's oh, a campaign man. finance violation. So many campaign. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the number of specific criminal lawsuits that uh, he could very well face uh, come January are uh, legion. Uh, they are legion. Uh, so anyway, well, I, I really quickly, my <clears throat> I like I like the energy policy you just said. One point seven trillion dollars um, is not that much money over several decades, so I'm not worried about it taxing me to high hell. Also, as noted when we discussed Yang's platform, it's possible to solve the climate problem without spending any taxpayer money. All you have to do is have a carbon fee. That's it. That would solve the problem by itself. Yep. You know, and also I'm glad that it's not the Green New Deal because the Green New Deal would have been way more expensive and they rolled a whole bunch of, you know, far left economic policies in there. Okay, I'll be nice since Corey's here. Center left economic policies in there. Like whether you support them or not, just really really aren't part of the environmental subject. And if you think about it, when you I think you'd agree with this, Corey, when you say like, we're not going to do anything about the environment unless you also sign on the dotted line of all of these other economic things you want to do. That just decreases the odds that you actually solve the climate problem. It's it's true. The the most important thing is to get the ball rolling um, and and then keep the ball rolling. Right. Which is why I mean, like people holding out for Medicare for all and, and, you know, pissing on a public option are fucking themselves over and much, much worse for every one of those people, there's probably 10,000 people that are in extremely dire straits that don't need to be, um, you know, and, and, and we could solve that. And, and again, like anyone who, who uh, makes good the enemy or the perfect the enemy of the good when it comes to climate, again, you're sitting on a mountain of privilege. There are people in low line, the Maldives, for example, that will be under a meter of water while you're fucking around, right? Like we, we really can't, we can't wait. Like we, we do have to take whatever we can possibly get. Um, because I think that also like it it it, it establishes the the narrative and the storyline, the common good that okay, we're all moving towards this. Um, and then I think you know as politicians and as people in the space get better at telling this story, you know, I think we can move into a space where we can actually feel like we're accomplishing things and measuring things. And the voices saying that it's all real and a hoax will just start to get you know uh, pushed down into the very very bottom of a well where hopefully they will drown. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in Congress, being Green New Deal or bust means bust because the alternative, the other party is perfectly fine with letting the planet warm until it kills us all. Right. Yeah. So that, that it, there's it, no it, like you can't negotiate <laughs> with people who don't believe in it. So you have to actually have a realistic plan so that you can get conservative Democrats to vote for it because those are the only votes you're going to get. And still... Because the like the, and just so we're on the same page, the Green New Deal is what we should do. Like literally every part of it, it is perfectly justified. It is perfectly accurate. It doesn't matter how much we get taxed. It's what we should do. Just so so that's on the table. In the same way that single payer is exactly what we should do, for 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 a lot of the same reasons. But the fact that it's out there, the fact that it's established, the fact that all the young people are behind it, the fact that there are volunteers up and down. Uh, uh, you know, the ballot that are working for candidates that are backing the Green New Deal means that Biden can come in and have a, a, an infinitely stronger compromise position deal for the Democratic Party than he could otherwise. Right. Like the, the, we, we do need to have these 
um, these people that are, you know, pushing the Overton window in the direction that it needs to go so that these middle of the road deals can happen. And they do need to, like, you can't just come in with a green new deal and, and roll over five seconds later and say, well, screw it. Right. Like that, that those positions need to be extremely strongly held so that it can drag the centrist politicians, uh, you know, or, or center right politicians a little bit more to where they need to be. Well, we can agree to disagree about single payer and the Green New Deal, but I think we could agree with this, which again, technically, to just if all you're trying to do is solve the climate problem, it's not necessary to do the Green New Deal. That's it's just it could icing on the cake at best, even if you want all of that stuff. Yeah, I would say as far as the 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 justice you know, the, you know, the racial and, uh, uh, you know, minority justice stuff and whatever like that, again, it's, it's true. We don't need to, to do that, uh, to accomplish the goal. Um, and create a, um, basically a new deal, right. With a bunch of yeah. government funded jobs. It's a jobs right. program. It's a it, jobs it program. It is. And it's, it's a jobs program that, that might have the added benefit of fucking saving the planet. <laughs> it's no big deal. <laughs> Well, and uh, frankly, I'm actually fine with using tax dollars to employ people to do things that are necessary for all of our survival, right? I mean, if if we can use tax dollars to build roads, then we should be able to use tax dollars to, you know, if we wanted to, to fund scientists so that they can d- find ways to suck carbon out of the atmosphere, that's something that we should do. Uh, I, 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 just, I, I just don't think that... It's not just a matter of making the Green New Deal or bust being stupid um, strategy in Congress. Even worse than that, voters voting green, voting for the Green Party because Joe Biden's um, environmental plan isn't radical enough for them. Okay, what are you going to do? All you're going to do is help reelect Trump, who is literally going to kill the human race by ignoring the problem entirely. Yeah, voting green is just. Again, like all, and how many times have we said this, right? Like the second that rank choice comes in, do whatever the fuck you want. But just understand that if you're still even remotely considering doing that, you're selling the world out. You're selling people that are more vulnerable than you out for your massive bunny ears principles. It just, it's infuriating. Some of these people are so kooky that even if they had ranked choice voting, they'd probably still refuse to put Biden as number two. Fine. I mean, again, the the, the statistical number of those people is dramatically lower than it was last time. Um, You know, people thought that that, uh, Hillary Clinton was safe. And I think uh, that's what at least, I would say at least half. Of Jill Stein voters in Ohio or, or uh, Pennsylvania, for example. Well, I, I think uh, Jorgensen was nominated um, with like 5,000 votes or something. Biden gets yeah. more than that in like one county in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jorgensen. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and she's terrible. Like that. Like the. Yeah. Like the, the people that have been going out TYT. I'm looking right at your face. And playing the whole pox on both your houses game. Are the ones that are making Jorgensen a thing. And. Like if you look at her policy platform, like compared to Biden's, she sucks dog shit, like just buckets of dog shit. And people oh, really? Like, I hadn't even bothered to look because I don't consider her a so real candidate. You vote for her, you're fucking over the whole world. Just, just so you're aware of that. <clears throat> anyway, what were we talking about? Are, I should we move on to the fourth one then? We could. Uh, the economy closing racial gaps and creating jobs programs. Uh, the economics recommendations to Mr. Biden include more expansive and expensive plans uh, than he has embraced in the campaign. Uh, they are heavily focused on addressing racial inequality and on getting Americans back to work in the wake of the recession caused by the pandemic. The task force suggests that Mr. Biden consider several plans that his more liberal rivals had championed during the Democratic primaries, though at times it stopped short of endorsing them. The recommendations call for a comprehensive agenda for communities of color with ambition that matches the scale of the challenge uh, and with recognition that race-neutral policies are not a sufficient response to race-based disparities. Uh, The details include asking Mr. Biden to explore a so-called baby bonds proposal to provide every child with a government-funded savings account at birth, a policy favored by Derek Hamilton, uh, an Ohio State University economist who was one of Mr. Sanders' appointees. A section on job creation urges consideration of another plan favored by Mr. Sanders, uh, appointees, a large-scale federal employment program uh, in areas such as infrastructure development in order to ensure that everyone who wants to work has a pathway to employment. 
uh, the recommendation says the government must enact measures to create jobs and job programs like those effectively used during the New Deal. Um, and again, like if it's to save the world with the Green New Deal or, you know, build infrastructure because this country is falling apart anyway. Um, you know, I mean, anything that will get more money into the hands of people that are struggling and unemployed, I'm for. But goddamn, could we just do UBI? Like, I know, I know that's not what we're talking about right now, but like, it just, it's impossible to not mention that in, in this context. The baby bond thing bothers me less than I thought it would because I don't like the idea of just giving people money for every child that they have because I think a lot of parents will just blow the money and it won't actually benefit the kid. Um, but this is something, this is money that goes into a trust that the kid gets when they turn 18, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that, it's, that it's, makes it's, more sense. I mean, you know, eighteen-year-olds yeah. have also been known to do stupid things when they get a windfall. But yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the 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 best way for me to think about this is if every baby had a a bond like that, and then it started paying out as a dividend instead of a lump sum, right? So it's effectively a way to pre-purchase UBI ad nauseum, which would be great. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, parents should be doing that anyway. They should be setting aside money for their their kids college and stuff and they could do more of that if they had a ubi um okay but yeah no said let's talk about ubi since you brought it up though i mean andrew yang is going to be in biden's administration um andrew yang does not need to be president in order to get ubi passed all he has to do is with the respectability that comes with being a representative of the joe biden administration Go have meetings with members of Congress, Democrat and Republican, which we know he'd be really good at, and persuade them one at a time to vote for UBI. A lot of a lot of uh, grassroots activist types, um, you know, with for all the good work they're doing, one thing they seem to forget is that it's actually easier to persuade people who already have power to back your idea than it is to, you know, primary and replace every single member of Congress overnight. Amen. Um, it's been amazing watching the number of people that are like, what if Andrew Yang's a Democrat? I'm like, oh God. Oh, pumpkins. Anyways. Um... <laughs> Which actually, like, take a little tangent. That's kind of funny too. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people and I'm, I'm about to have uh, Fred back on actually. Um, nice. yeah. Uh, and Fred was one of them. He said this thing. He's like, I'm thinking about maybe voting for Trump because, you know, Trump 2020, Yang 2024 kind of makes sense to me. Make, you know, basically the accelerationist argument that Trump will make Fred. things so bad. I know. Oh, I know. That's why I, I'm thought you, I thought you meant Fred Eater. You mean, you mean Fred the truck driver? Yes, yeah, the truck driver. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> well, I'm going to try to talk about it. We'll see how it okay, goes. Okay. Um, right. But, you know, the, 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 my best argument that I've found for this so far, and it's the one I'm going to try to use on Fred, so I'm going to test it out on you, Corey. Um, okay. So put, put your Fred truck hat on for a second. Okay. Um, you know, in order for Andrew Yang to become president, he has to win the Democratic primary first. There is absolutely no way in hell that he is going to be able to win the Democratic primary if a bunch of people with blue hats calling themselves Yang Gang went out and publicly said, we're going to intentionally elect Donald Trump as part of our Yang 2024 strategy. That would kill him. Yeah. Even the even the thought, the whiff of it would kill him. That's yeah. Either way, he's going to have to win a Democratic primary, so you have to do it within the party, and and that that's a that's a really really solid argument. I mean, if you want to, and the way to reframe it, if you want to make certain that Andrew Yang is never president of the United States ever, help Trump get reelected, and in, publicly say that you're doing so because you think it's going to help Yang. Hundred percent. Connect Yang's name in any way. And you might as well be fucking shooting him in the kneecap. Like, he'll never get elected to anything. Shoot him ever. in the temple. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to be nice, but yes. No, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, it's worse than kneecapping him. He could still win if he was kneecapped. This is fair killing fair his enough. campaign. It, it really is. Like, it's it's not. At that point, he would question. have to go run as a, as a Republican. Yeah. Yeah. He would, have, he would have no choice. And honestly, Republicans would never elect him. Well, the not, Republicans we have today, um, yeah, probably not. He's he's a he's not white. B he's not a racist <laughs> asshole piece of shit. Right? I mean, and I also like tell us it, what you really think, Corey. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys notice this, but I have even less time for this shit. And that's the thing on coffee now. Like we're doing get out the vote stuff. 
I don't I don't talk to people that still need convincing because if you still need convincing now, I don't want to talk to you ever again about anything. I don't care. I've dropped family members. I am finished. Fascism is fucking real. Nazism is real. Like this is not, you know, this is really happening now. And we can't gaslight ourselves into thinking anything else. So I'm talking to people that have their heads out of their asses. Um, and we're working to uh, uh, to get more volunteers and get uh, more people out to vote. I mean, people are voting now. Like the, the time for convincing was two years ago. This is the time to, you know, find everybody who has a pulse that is registered to vote and make sure that they do. And um, don't um, I know Harris does. Uh, does Biden support a temporary UBI uh, during the remainder of the coronavirus? They have mentioned uh, I think I think so. I think he, he was calling for a monthly uh, uh, stipend until until the end of it. Um, actually, I'm I'm certain of it. So it that's was, a yes. Yeah, it was really really similar to the Canadian plan, which they've extended, by the way. Like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, Canada. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, how long before you guys build a wall to keep us out? Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We want to be polite about it. I think we're just going to put a hedge in, but it's going to be like a really rude hedge. Uh, yeah. It should be yeah. a hedge maze. Like if you can solve the maze, then you can come in. That's yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I would go. I think I would try to get into Canada just for that. I like edge mazes. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll let them know. <laughs> um, I'll, yeah, I'll take the socialized it, medicine as if it comes with a hedge maze. Yeah, it's uh, well, and, and you'll probably end up appreciating both. Uh, I think that Kamala Harris during the debate actually mentioned the Lift Act as well, which we covered previously. It's it's um, nowhere near as good as uh, UBI. Um, but essentially for, uh, uh, for working Americans, I think it was, was sort of a, um, and it was still like means tested. There's a lot of things wrong with it, uh, from the perspective of like a clean UBI, but it would still have a, a pretty positive effect on the entire economy. And of course, lift a bunch of people out of poverty. Yeah. It, it's important to note that in 2015, Trump was claiming he was going to do this big infrastructure plan to create all these jobs. It never happened. Uh, Biden is running on that now, and Trump is doesn't seem to be countering it by saying, I'm going to do the same. And I think it might be because people won't believe him, because why the hell didn't he do it in the last four years then? Yeah, I mean, that's why Colin Harris is dig about uh, uh, <laughs> about infrastructure week. Like, weren't you guys going to do infrastructure week? I haven't seen that. Is that is that happening? Because they would. It's like the healthcare thing, right? They're going to have infrastructure week in a couple of weeks, and that that's been the same way for three years. They're just they're not going to do it because they don't give a fuck. So this is the thing: you're losing old people. So how do you get young voters in America? Well, climate change and healthcare and you know, economic stuff, right? Because, you know, the, the generations coming up now are, are going to be the first generations that are statistically going to do worse than their parents. Um, at, at a, Despite being the most highly educated generation in history. Right. You know, the we've let the economy become something that doesn't make any sense. Um, and that legislatively, like that, that was something that could have been solved. And so, you know, the only, the most that they're doing to get young people is to say that healthcare is already better. When anyone with even a tiny fraction of a brain can see that it's not, like they're they're gonna lose. I'm like I I'm pretty confident saying that now. Like I've been knee deep in polls for the last week and a half. They're not gonna lose by a little bit. They're gonna get fucking destroyed. And yeah, and something that we forgot to mention during the healthcare talk is pre-existing conditions, right? So yeah. like, there's the contrast. Imagine you're a person who you know you you have a good job. You have health insurance through your job. You get laid off, right? Yeah. Or you just decide to switch careers, right? Um, or you move, <laughs> right? Yeah. In Trump's America, if you have a pre-existing condition, now you can never get health insurance that will cover it ever again without paying an astronomical amount of money for it, right? In which case, you might as well just pay out of pocket for, for your health care. In Biden's America, you can switch to your new jobs health plan if you want. And your pre-existing condition will still be covered, or you could go on the public plan and start a business. You can do whatever the hell you want. the The contrast could not be more stark. Yeah, agreed. And of course, like the the idea that they keep saying they're going to protect uh, uh, the the pre-existing conditions of which COVID is now one, right? Like the insurance is going to get denied to tens of millions of people for uh, just for having COVID because it's going to be a lifelong ailment now. 
uh, with like permanent lung damage and permanent cardiovascular damage and all this really fun stuff for for what 65 American 65 yeah, I keep Americans reading about now. young people who to run marathons and who still can't go up the stairs Dude, five months after recovering it's bad it's really bad uh, I mean, dude, uh, uh, Maynard from uh, from Tool got it in late February. He was one of the first people to get it in the states, and like he can still barely sing. Like that makes me so mad. Do you want to <laughs> like, put yeah, money on it? How many of people of Trump's inner circle are going to die from COVID between now and the election? I mean, they're probably all going to get infected, so it'll be the death rate generally, which is around five percent of people again. Yeah, they're also a little older, too, but they're also a little richer, which lowers the odds. That's the thing. I mean, not all of us can get a helicopter over to uh, uh, to Walter Reed and then get experimental uh, treatments from companies. One point five million dollar experimental treatment. You know, they're you know, their family is part owner. Like they're, they're vested in Regeneron. But, you know, he really deserves that because he paid seven hundred and fifty dollars in taxes, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway. so, like our, your family and my family both pay more than that every week. weekly, weekly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good lord! And yeah. and and if we if we get COVID, are are we going to get Regeneron for free? Uh no, mm. no, we will not. Uh, yeah, they said the the, uh, the best that Regeneron will ever be able to do once they get it up to scale will be a hundred thousand dollars per course. Yeah, it needs to be less. It's not going to happen. Like that. Like that. There will eventually be a vaccine. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that Trump lied when he said the military is going to distribute <laughs> this for free to hospitals everywhere across the country? Everyone is shocked. I know. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to the fifth one then? Sure. Uh, education. Uh, rethinking Obama era priorities. On K through twelve education, the task force report uh, represents something of a shift away from the policy commitments of the Obama era Democratic Party. Instead of emphasizing standardized tests to drive accountability for teachers and students, the documents talk about holistic tests of student skills and the importance of schools as community centers that provide a broad array of social services such as healthcare and meals. I haven't read this, and I like the way it sounds. While the Obama admin was strongly supportive of charter schools, the task force promises to subject charters, which are publicly funded but privately managed, to stricter federal scrutiny, echoing policy plans released by Mr. Sanders and Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, the mass Democrat during the, the primary. Really good. The document commits to tripling federal aid for low-income schools and to increasing funding for students with disabilities. School desegregation by race and class has emerged in recent years as a major concern for progressives. The task force commits to addressing the problem through strategies like busing and magnet schools, but does not mention a specific amount of funding. Mr. Biden's opposition to federally mandated busing was a major campaign issue last year, but he has never opposed voluntary busing. Uh, while many supporters of Mr. Sanders were excited by his promise of universal free tuition, at public four-year colleges, the task force stops short of that commitment. Um, it says instead that public universities should be free for families earning under 125000 a year and that community colleges should be free for everyone. Um, which I mean, that's a that's a, a lot of progress there, I would think. Wouldn't you it, say that's progressive, Corey? <laughs> yeah, it's like not not a little bit, a lot. And it, it's it. I think it shows even more, you know, I think the Obama era policies were well-intentioned, but we find out what happens when you put education you know, into the hands of the free market. Um, rich people yank all of their kids out of that and put them into hoity-toity schools and destroy funding and availability for everybody else. Uh, it's actually a, a microcosm of why single-payer healthcare is so much better. Uh, but yeah, it, like, and fact is the schools are they're centers for, you know, uh, community development and, and, and shoring up, um, you know, sort of community services anyway. So, you know, focusing on that, I think is, is really, really good. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole, the whole thing, any, I mean, and the contrast is always really, really important, right? On the opposite side of this argument, you have Betsy DeVos who would gladly shoot your kid in the face to get a tax cut for her friends. Like that, you know what I mean? Like that. It, it, <laughs> That's like a if, little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> a tiny little bit of hyperbole. If she could like drown nine of your kids in a bathtub and get one more yacht, she might do it. What? Let's talk a little bit about what the Trump administration has actually done with with healthcare. Uh, I'm sorry, with uh, with education. Um, so they they definitely have pushed uh, charter schools more and to and for defunding public schools. Uh, and and how is that different from from what Biden's proposing here, Corey? So, I mean, basically, they're going in exactly the other direction, right? Like, if you're if you're defunding public schools, 
I mean, that's, you know, one of the things I worry about as far as, you know, income inequality and lifting people out of poverty. That's exactly the wrong way to do it, right? Um, so, and that education gap, I mean, one of the things I think that Rio, you and I have landed on uh, uh, at varying degrees is that we would really like, or I would really like at the very least a quality of opportunity, which means like, you know, if, if everybody can have access to a really, really quality education, then the idea that America can be a meritocracy and, you know, capitalism and the free markets can sort of provide a, a framework where you can kind of get whatever you want out of this life becomes a little bit more real. Certainly not totally real, but, you know, it, it at least becomes a plausible ethical argument. Um, whereas, yeah, you know, no, absolutely. I mean, education is one of the areas where we are not as meritocratic as we could be. You ca you can't have a real meritocracy if some somebody who's just lucky enough to be born into a rich family happens to get a better education than somebody who isn't. Right. Um, that's not a real uh, floor for fair competition in capitalism. Yeah. Um, I have really high hopes that within the next decade, there will be AI educators that are fundamentally better than 70% of the teachers anywhere in the Western world. Um, and those will be available ubiquitously to everybody with a hundred dollar phone. Uh, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's my own pipe dream. Um, yeah. I have to say, I actually am not um, a huge fan of charter schools as a way of, of continuing to do this. Uh, it's, it's something that was actually kind of based on some Milton Friedman proposals, which I thought made sense and were smart at the time. I mean, I would have thought if I was alive back then, but reading, reading, uh, Milton Friedman's, um, writings on it, it seems to me like, okay, yeah, I can see how in like the seventies and the eighties, these ideas, um, were actually kind of progressive. That was back when you still had right-wing progressives and i would have i would certainly count milton friedman among them he, again this is the guy who yang famously points out supported a ubi way back then right yeah um but the problem with 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 charter schools is they are public um and therefore you kind of have to go on you have to go on a lottery basically to get into one of them because there's more interest in it than there than there are spots available um this is why I preferred the education dividend idea that you and I went over in a previous episode, which would accomplish the same thing as charter schools, which is to say real competition between public and private education systems. Um, but it would, it would, it would not put people on a lottery to get into it. It would give Americans an education dividend. They could spend, send their kid to the private school of their choice. I like it. And the reason you agreed with it <laughs> To refresh your memory, Corey, is because I also agreed that the accreditation standards for public and private schools should be better, and public schools should be funded uh, at the federal level, not with local property taxes, because you know you, the quality of your of your education shouldn't be based on what neighborhood you happen to live in. Yeah, I had forgotten about that, and I still completely and totally agree with those hacks. All right, that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, uh, Biden's Biden's plan once again is. Very moderate, very reasonable, uh, very center of the road, which means significantly, well, in this case, I guess I would say significantly to the left of, of Donald Trump. Unlike trade, this is something Biden's actually the left of him on, uh, healthcare as well. All right, what's uh, what's the sixth is the last one, is that right? Uh, yeah, immigration. <clears throat> uh, basically, uh, destroy what uh, Stephen Miller, aka Trump, did. Uh, the report indicated that the immigration agenda of a Biden administration would focus on undoing President Trump's restrictionist policies, which have been anathema to Democrats and all people with any amount of empathy or reason, period. Yeah, anathema to liberal Republicans, too. Although yeah. there are, you know, there are very few of those left. They're all in the Lincoln Project. <laughs> right. Uh, the task force recommended that Mr. Biden work with Congress to maintain protections for about 700,000 young immigrants known as the Dreamers from Deportation, a program that Trump is trying to end. Uh, it also recommended ending Mr. Trump's travel restrictions against 13 countries, most of which have uh, substantial Muslim populations. Um, the report said that Mr. Biden should end a program that forced more than 60,000 migrants to wait in Mexico while their asylum cases wound through immigration courts and should stop diverting asylum seekers to Central American countries. Mr. Biden should increase the number of ref refugees who can be allowed into the United States to 125,000 per year uh, from Trump's level of 18,000 
just so that we're on the same page, Canada, if I'm not mistaken, did between 150,000 and 180,000 refugees last year uh, with less than 10% of the population. Uh, and if Trump gets reelected, Americans will be among those refugees. <laughs> legit, legit. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's incredible how pathetic eighteen thousand is. Um, and raise that cap over time. The committee said, uh, and it called for ending the national emergency declaration that Mr. Trump has issued to siphon billions of dollars in Pentagon funding for a wall along the southwestern border uh, that only morons want. The task force stopped short of calling for immigration and customs enforcement to be abolished. Uh, ICE, of course. Uh, as some in the party have called for. Instead, the report recommends increasing oversight of immigration enforcement and border agencies with the creation of an ombudsman and a panel. Uh, there was also no suggestion that un un unauthorized border crossing should be decriminalized and made a civil offense, a change Mr. Sanders has supported, although the committee recommended prioritizing prosecutions of human traffickers. So basically, like, considering what I know about ICE, I would have them abolished instantaneously. Uh, they are brown shirt fascist fucks, period right? It, it's, it's bad. However, if you create, um, you know, uh, uh, an ombudsman, ombudsman and, you know, panel, if you basically create really, really good oversight, um, Biden will be able to transform that into something that uh, can go after and basically do what Obama was doing, right? Like, like he deported a lot of people. They were all actual criminals for the most part, right? Like that they, their, their enforcement was based around, um, trying to make sure that they were going after people that uh, at least plausibly you should be going after. So like, yeah, you know, no, a, a boy I, um, or two kids, Obama like, was actually them. deporting uh, more people than Trump. Mm -hmm. um, and, and part of the reason, if you think about it is because if you want to, you recognize you can't realistically deport everybody, right? Yep. And so you have to come up with a system that prioritizes something. And then when you give a clear set of instructions and priorities to uh, immigration enforcement, they are going to be more efficient at, at pulling it off, right? Whereas if you're just willy-nilly trying to, uh, to just deport anybody and everybody, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's like that thing where if you're, if you, if you try to catch like five balls that are being thrown at you, you're not going to catch any of them. But if you, you know, pick one ball, then you might have a chance of catching it. Yep. Yeah. And so that, that's, those are, so the, it was just more efficient and more humane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, again, there's, there's as uh, you know, uh, a quote unquote progressive, uh, there's definitely some things that I would like to see that, that are, you know, that would go farther than this. Uh, but again, as a gestalt that the entire democratic party can get behind, um, and, uh, dramatically, you know, completely 180 change course from what, uh, from what Trump has done, uh, and start to fix what Trump has done. This is it. I mean, this, this works. It just works. Yeah, totally. And as the, the, right-wing part of the humanity first movement, the real publicans offering right-wing progressive policies as alternatives to left-wing progressive policies. Uh, we should dramatically, dramatically um, make it easier for people to immigrate legally because that is the number one way to stop illegal immigration and then just enforce the laws against employing illegal immigrants like punish the employers of which Donald Trump is one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, Trump and, and uh, Ronnie should go to jail. End of story. And, and you know, the funny thing is that is the direction that the Republican party was already going until Trump's movement took over the party. They, they, yeah. they, they, they were going for Marco Rubio, who is practically a progressive on immigration. Yeah. Whatever you feel about him on that, other issues, that, it's, it's that, true though. Like the guy, the guy, the guy, the guy is a, now. the guy is basically, you know, when when Bernie Sanders said that open borders is a right wing Cook Brothers thing, he was talking about people like Marco Rubio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's good yeah. for the economy. It it really is. I mean, it, and you know, and again, Rubio has been completely and totally poisoned by the Trump well now. Uh, but oh, I agree. Anybody who's got the Trump taint on them stinks to high hell. Yeah. I mean, they've become this weird, disgusting thing. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I still hope that it's a, a cement albatross that hangs around their neck uh, in every election that happens until uh, uh, until they're all gone.
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Lincoln Project does to rebuild the party after after Trump's gone. Uh, What they seem to be saying is that they're not going to let people who try to distance themselves from Trump get away with it unless they actually did vote to remove him like Romney. Romney gets a pass. Everybody else, Lincoln Project is going to keep coming for them and is going to replace them with a liberal Republican. I believe it. I really do. Like, I, I, I think they're they've got they've got their target list. Anybody who was, you know, part of the attempted uh, fascist coup takeover destruction of the, uh, you know, American democracy uh, is is going to be on their shit list until until they're gone. Um, and uh, I appreciate that a lot because I feel exactly the same way. Yeah, totally. All right. So is that is that all of it then, Corey? That's it. We solved the whole world's problems in uh, a <laughs> little over an hour. All right. And if you're still not convinced that voting for Biden is better than voting for Trump, fuck you. Yeah, seriously. Fuck off. <laughs> just <laughs> good good goodbye and go talk to anyone else. Like right? just just put on the red hat and register uh, as a Republican and vote for Donald Trump. Like just own it. Own it. Yeah, I you know, I think that that's probably where you go. And, or just, you know, just recognize that you're everything that you hate about everything else. All right. Should we end on a positive note? We legitimately have a chance to win Texas. Beto, uh, the work that, that he did there is uh, setting it up so that there is a, a, a higher than average chance that Democrats are going to win the House in Texas for the first time in 50 years, which means that when redistricting happens in 2021, we're probably going to get three more con- congressional districts out of it. Democrats will out of Texas, which is completely and totally bonkers. And right now it is a dead heat in Texas. Uh, so we could literally win Texas and we could win Texas on the night of November 3rd. And if that happens, this is completely over and we can all take a fucking nap. Yeah. I saw an electoral map. I I wish that everybody would do this with electoral maps because it was so elegant and genius. There's this map that every state was either, there weren't a bunch of purple states. Every state was either blue, light blue, pink or red. Yeah. Um, and know, the website is 270 to win 270 uh, T-O-W-I-N. Like as of a week ago or so, you know, it was about evenly divided. The electors <laughs> were about evenly divided between pink and red on one half and blue okay. and light blue on the other half. What's it like now, Corey? <laughs> if he wins everything that is uh, reliably Republican or for sure likely Republican or leans Republican, he gets to 163. <laughs> okay. Oh, he I, is I so fucked. Dude, he's very, very, very fucked. Uh, all, if I think it's wins, fair to say at this point, this. if Donald if Trump wins, is reelected, it will be because he cheated. He stole it, it 100%. That's the only possible 100%. way it's going to happen. Listen to this. If he wins every single state that they have as a toss-up, so that it's brown on the 270 to win thing, um, that's only 85 more, and it's like 40 less than he needs. Right. So if Biden only wins the for sure, uh, um, the safe districts or safe states, the likely states and the leans, he comes in at 290. If he wins zero, zero of the swing states, then he's still at 290. Yeah, that's interesting. That is definitely swung hard. Uh, and yeah. since I saw that, but that makes sense because Trump has been tanking in the polls every day. Yes. And it's just yeah. crazy. I mean, that. It, and it, it, it's going to get crazy. There's talk about. Okay, but you know, this, to be clear, this is not a reason to not vote, right? This no, is a reason this is to re- vote. This means that they're harder. This yeah. means that that for, there are basically may, maybe five or six red states, right? Everything else is at least pink. And if you live in a pink state, your vote could be the difference between Trump winning that state or losing that state. That's so the fucking thing, vote. Like the the idea that there will be voter suppression, that there's going to be uh, um, you know problems with uh, and and legal challenges, and 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 we can't let this be close, right? Like I'm getting excited because the polls are good, but that means that I'm just going to work harder to get out more people to vote. Especially like Florida is still a toss up, right? Um, and and if we win Florida, it's it's like fifty times done, you know. Like it's now about making sure that. Anyone who even considers trying to have a fascist takeover of America again remembers that we crush the fuck out of you when you try it. Like this has to be an all hands on deck movement until, you know, two weeks after the election. Like it has to get run 
right through the tape and then and then after it we absolutely yeah yeah we'll crush the fuck out of you even if you do everything you can to cheat including pissing on the constitution that's right yeah you're right i mean that's what it's going to take for the republican party to shift and it'll be interesting i've been giving a lot of thought to this but I, i i honestly think and this is the truth i think that the republicans would have to moderate on social issues so that they could win on the coasts and if they don't do that they're dead yeah, I, honestly, I've, I've seen an analysis that basically the Republican Party is about to become what they are in California. Fucking meaningless. Period. The whole country. Yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be liberals versus socialists going forward. There's not going to be any fascists on the, on the ballot. One of the five deep red states. <laughs> it makes me so sad that the way that you frame that puts me in the socialist camp. Oh, fun. no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does now. It Democrat. does now. Whatever. You're, you're, you're liberal as hell. If you're right about liberal versus socialist, I'm in the socialist camp. Oh, no, no, no. See, now yeah. we have to have a whole conversation just about that. We don't want we to. We don't. We don't. I would rather punch myself in the eyeball. No, no, no. It's it's it, there's it's a spectrum, right? There's a liberal spectrum which goes from yeah. center right to center left. You're on the center left side of the liberal spectrum. I'm on the center right side of the liberal spectrum. We would be in the same party. Okay. All right. All right. And do you want to say it, Corey? Moving forward. It's our gumbo. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Uh, we are so excited to be bringing this to you, and we're so excited about the uh, the awesome community, the Yang Gang that's growing up around the candidacy uh, of Andrew Yang. Uh, if you could please tag us on Twitter with the hashtag Moving Forward Pod and uh, find and join the Moving Forward podcast uh, group on Facebook. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.